Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Nicole Kupchik Consulting. She's a critical care CNS and educator who's created all kinds of products and resources for nurses to continue their education, advance their practice, and earn CEs. She has amazing courses, you guys. Check out her hemodynamic monitoring course, her cardiac boot camp. She's got certification review courses like CCRN, PCCN, and the CMC and CSC. We need all kinds of acronyms in nursing. Anyway, go over to NicoleCupcheConsulting.com and check out her products over there. You're going to want to use the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20 to get 20% off her products at checkout. So go over to NicoleCupcheConsulting.com and use the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20. Oh, and don't forget to have your hospital reimburse you. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello, and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson. And oh my God, I'm so stoked because I'm talking to Tammy Morgan. Tammy is a board-certified family nurse practitioner and owner of Refresh Seattle, a mental health and wellness practice. She provides she provides telehealth services to anyone in Washington State and offers a truly holistic approach to mental wellness. She has experience in a wide range of medical specialties, and we'll hear later how she incorporates the knowledge, that knowledge, into her current practice. She graduated with her Bachelor's of Nursing from Washington State in 2005 and earned her Master's in Nursing from Seattle U in 2015. She's an active Pacific Northwest hiker, what's up PNW, softball player, world traveler, sports fan, and dog lover. Well, I brought Tammy on the show to talk about the importance of mental health in nursing and taking care of and prioritizing your mental health. Um, but before we do anything, how are you, Tammy? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. I'm excited to be here. So stoked that um, you're here. Thank you. How am I? It's Monday. I'm tired. <laughs> like every Monday. Um, but overall, I'm doing pretty good. I got my Christmas tree up yesterday, and that just changed everything for me this week. So that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I've. It's, it's amazing what one little thing with some light will do for you. So um, excited to have that up for the next month. That's so yes. I've I've been like, <clears throat> I've been putting it off. This is really weird. I've been putting it off for like the last week, and I, just for me whatever reason. I love Christmas. I'm like all about it, but I'm just like, oh, I can't make myself do it. It just feels like one extra thing right now. But this week it's going up and it does bring me that like instant joy of seeing, you know, seeing the lights and the ornaments. It feels very festive. Yeah. You'll, you'll be really happy when you do it to me. It was like, almost like going to the gym, like, I don't want to go. It seems like such a task right now. And then as I'm doing it and I, and, and it's finished, I'm like, yes, so glad I did that. It's a gift that keeps on giving. I know. Oh my God, I'm totally going to do it. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. Um, so Tammy, tell us a little bit about your nursing journey. Yeah. So, um, started 
in 2005, graduated from Washington State University, um, came to Seattle. My first job was at the University of Washington on one of their medical um, oncology floors. And um, from there, I was a travel nurse for a little bit. Um, this is all adult nursing. And at the time, I just really wasn't finding my passion mm -hmm. um, and actually thought about doing something different because I just was not happy. Um, and nobody wants an unhappy nurse. So <laughs> I, <laughs> that's so right. True. I mean, it's just not fair for anyone. So um, I was kind of in this ex existential crisis and my friends were in pediatrics and said, why don't you go do peds for a while? And I basically laughed in their face. I was like, I don't, what, why? No, no. <laughs> um, and they said, well, just give it a year. Like you're, you're thinking about quitting. So just like, give it a year. If you hate it, then you can do something else. So, okay, fine. That's, that's fair. So I went to Seattle children's and stayed for eight years, found out I loved pediatrics. Wow. Um, I had no idea. I was shocked. Um, and it just became like my niche. Um, and so I stayed there for eight years and then I went back to school, um, got my nurse practitioner degree and, um, the job that, that fell into my lap that actually ultimately ended up being so perfect, um, was a surgical, um, position with an ortho with a couple of orthopedic surgeons, um, in Seattle. And I did still get some of my peds patients in there. We operated oh, on, kids. yeah, down to about 12. So they were teenagers, but still, you know, um, in the peds realm. So, um, I've been doing that for the last seven years and, um, now I'm starting this and I'm super excited. And my journey has kind of been all over the place, but, um, this is, this is something I'm really passionate about and it's personal to me. And, um, so I'm, I'm really excited. So you started your, your practice refresh Seattle and that's in, in, under the scope of you at being a family nurse practitioner, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. And I know we were going to talk about this a little, little, little bit later, but like, can you talk about your practice Yeah. and like, when did you start it and what's your mission and all of that? Yes. Um, so I started it within the last year. Um, it was really born out of the perils of the pandemic, to be honest. Um, my neighbor is a therapist. And so we've, you know, just been talking throughout this whole, you know, the last now going on three years, which is crazy to say. Yeah. Um, and, and just talking about the access or lack thereof. Um, and in fact, I was putting together um, a paper recently and Washington state is like 47th in the nation in terms of access to mental health care professionals. So per capita, we're, we're ranked that low in the number of mental health professionals in comparison to our Definitely um, wow. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and mental health has always been really personal to me because I have anxiety and depression and basically everyone in my family does. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just something that, um, that I've been dealing with for a long time. And so if I can help other people thrive with the same kind of 
conditions, then I mean, what's better than that? Right. So, um, I, I actually started the first thing I did, um, was I started doing Botox of all things. Oh, uh uh-huh. Yeah. And when I, and I started doing that because it made me so happy. I got it for the first time, like a year ago and it made me, or I guess two years ago now, it made me so happy. And I thought I have to do this for people. I have to like, if it makes me this happy, it's got to make other people happy too. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so that I was like, I have to do this. So I did. And as I was learning about that, I actually learned that studies have actually shown that Botox can decrease depression. Um, Yeah. So, and they don't know there's a few mechanisms. They don't uh, unsure what it is, if it's the toxin that actually does it, or if it's the (laughs) fact that you actually can't move your muscles in a way to frown. So you, (laughs) if you can't frown, you're not creating that muscle memory. And so they think that that could be one of the mechanisms or people just feel happy because they, they they look better. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. That would be be so interesting. That's interesting that it would be like, could be this muscle memory thing that you're just like kind of, we've been able to hack, hack it. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I thought it was so fascinating. Um, so yeah, so that's actually how it started. And then, um, just, just talking with my neighbor and talking with other people and, um, kind of serendipitously, my clinic is being closed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it just kind of is perfect timing because, I'm going to lose my full-time job and I can focus all of my time helping people with this. So, yeah. So yeah. Which I think is so great. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, this may, this should probably make people, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to make you feel frustrated or validated, like knowing like, yeah, it's really hard to find mental health resources in our area. (laughs) Um, but like, you, you know, that, what you said about being 47th or whatever, like that, that's validating to me. Um, and also like good for you for heeding the call. Um, what is different about your practice versus like seeing a traditional therapist? So therapists, um, are my right hand man. Like they are, in fact, they do the really hard, deep work. Um, so if you go to a therapist and you have, anxiety or whatever, um, they're going to start from the beginning, you know, talk about your childhood and maybe if you have history of trauma or whatever. Um, and they do the really deep, long lasting work, um, to address each of these components. Um, my practice is less focused on the therapy and more about actions that you can take in your everyday life, um, for whole, whole body wellness. So, Um, you know, things like exercise, nutrition is a big thing, which is kind of funny to me that it's not as studied as it probably should be. But I think um, in Eastern medicine and other, you know, more natural approaches, diet is medicine, right? And I think it only makes sense if you're eating well, your body is healthier and you're feeling better, but that's new to Western medicine. And so we, there is now research coming out, um, 
that demonstrates things like the Mediterranean diet, for instance, can be really helpful in people with mental health um, disorders. Even people with schizophrenia, it's been shown to be significantly helpful. So um, things like that, that sound really basic, but it makes a big difference for people when you're eating a certain way. Um, There's supplements, um, stress management, sleep. That's one of the first things I ask people, how are you sleeping? Because if you're not sleeping, everything else goes downhill from there. So that's where I start with a lot of people. Um, And so I'm, I'm looking at more the lifestyle Mm -hmm. uh, modifications that people can make. And sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes it's just so much as going to bed at the same time every night. Mm -hmm. I mean, that alone, if you're not staying up watching TV till two and then losing your sleep. And, um, and so it's, it's more that, that lifestyle. And then I do use prescription medications too, if it's indicated, if people are interested, if they're not, then that's, then we don't even have to talk about it. That's not something I'm not pushing pills on people. Um, but they can, antidepressants can be very effective and very helpful for people. So, um, So just kind of looking at all of those different aspects and then the therapy is, um, and, and then I will refer to therapists for things that are a little deep, deeper rooted or that people really need to work through. So you're really looking at the person as a whole and also, but like mental health, their mental health is like the reason maybe someone would see you. Absolutely. Okay. Speaking of mental health, why is taking care of your mental health so important as a nurse and like in, in the healthcare profession? Yeah, I think, you know, if you're not taking care of your mental health, if you're struggling mentally, you're basically surviving. Yeah. Right. You're just getting, you're going through the motions. You're, you're not being your best self and really you're not you're, you're just, you're in survival mode. And so my goal is to take somebody from surviving to thriving and actually enjoying life. Because if we're not, then what's, you know, what are we doing? What's the point? Yeah. Like I, I just, um, it's a big deal. And beyond that, we know that chronic stress, we know what elevated cortisol levels do to our bodies. Right. Mm -hmm. And and they're devastating and they're long lasting too. So, you know, I think it's normal for people to go through these periods of like, oh, I'm so stressed. I, you know, just got to get through this one period. Um, but if that's a chronic thing and you're just getting through every single day, how sad, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be like that. And it does, and it can be, we can make small changes that can make huge differences for people. So I think that's, that's why. And just thinking about all the like chronic conditions too, GI problems, heart disease, sleep, memory, cognition, all that stuff is related to cortisol. So yeah. And your immune system. And immune for sure. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, I, I just stepped away from 14 years of critical care nursing and I was just reflecting on the amount of stress, physical stress that mm-hmm. I was in for such a long time. Now, granted, I love, love the work and it's, it's got, it's a complicated relationship, but, right. um, I was 
intentionally yesterday I was just thinking about the the living under that type of stress for so long. I mean, some of it you get used to, so it's adaptive, I guess, but then there's still real stress, right? Um so um anyway, just there yeah, is a lot no, of stress in our working environment as nurses. Yeah. And I think that's where we where we kind of fall because um we love what we do. Yeah. Right. So we want to keep doing it. We want to serve others. I mean, the whole reason we do this is because we like helping others. We want them to feel good and we want them to get healthy. And and it's a passion for us. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody you don't do this work unless you love it. Yeah, <laughs> because, for sure. Right. There's just you just can't you can't do it. So um, but when you're so stressed all the time, it's you have to, at some point, that's why people are leaving the profession and in yeah. droves right now. And that it's just heartbreaking to me. Um, and so I, I hope to help fix that in yeah. any small way I can. <laughs> well, I commend you for doing what you're doing. Speaking of the pandemic, uh, well, how do you think that like, I mean, I've talked a lot about this on the show, about the pandemic and the effect on nursing. And, um, but anyway, what are your thoughts about how living through that, working through that as a nursing professional, how that has affected us or the workforce? Yeah. Um, God, (laughs) (laughs) it's just so like so many aspects, but I think what it comes down to is, you know, in the beginning, it was more, I think, anxiety. We just had no idea what to expect and the unprecedented stress on our hospitals and um, and the expectations of, of the nurses and having no PPE and it, all of that stuff in the beginning was just this like high stress, high anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think now it's kind of transitioned to we're realizing or we're feeling like our really our administrators just don't have a clue what the fuck we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, um, and just, you know, keep doing it, just keep, you know, yeah. and we, now we have this so-called nursing shortage, which I've heard on your, one of your other shows, it's not actually a shortage. We have like 4 million nurses or something. And, United States, but people, I mean, how many nurses do you know personally that have either stepped away from the bedside or retired or retired early? They didn't want to. I mean, I have nurses at my current job that work in the operating room. They've been there for like 30 years and they're in the, in the locker room at the end of their shift crying because they're like, do I just retire? I don't want to, but do I just, you know, cause it's just so um, insane. It's just, it's so heartbreaking. Um, and so that lack of morale, you know, I think is palpable. Um, and really, I think what it comes down to is at this point, this kind of collective trauma yeah. is a result of morale injury. And people keep calling it burnout. And it makes me want to pull my hair out because we're not burnt out. We don't need eight hours of resiliency training, which is what some of the local hospitals are doing. They're taking nurses out of clinical staffing and putting them in this resiliency training for eight hours. And it's like, 
do you think that I got through 20 years of nursing without re- being resilient? Yeah. Same with doctors. I mean, they went through eight years of medical school and then residency and then fellowships. And it's like they went through 20 years of school and, and then now they need some four hour workshop because they're burnt out. It's like, that's not burnout. They're not, not resilient. They're, morale has been injured by coming to work, wanting to do your very, very best and not being able to. Yeah. It's devastating to it's dev- I mean, nobody wants to go to work and think, well, I did the bare minimum. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It is. It's demoralizing. It's the thing it, that I mean, I've been there and it sucks. It uh, and I know many colleagues have been there and it sucks, you know. And then you think about it, these are people's lives. Yes. We're like trying to do the best we can to take care of people's lives. And you know, it feels terrible if you're like, I know the job I should be doing and here's the job I'm fucking doing and it's, yep. you know, it's it feels absolutely horrible. Horrible. Yeah. My friend Laura Zasky, Laura, shout out to you. I'm calling you out on the show. But um, that's the thing that, you know, is the thing for her that is the hardest. Um, And I, I mean, I agree too. It's the, it's, it's the hardest because we all, because like you said before, we wouldn't come and do this job if we didn't give a shit. We want to do our best. We want to help people. And we didn't have the resources. And like you said, we're like injured from this time but like hospitals should recognize we're in recovery mode we need to be in recovery mode like you said eight hour class isn't gonna do anything uh it might be like a nice thing a show of face that a hospital could do but it shouldn't be about resiliency training yeah (laughs) it should be like we appreciate you yeah let's give you you know whatever let's pay you to take care of yourself and not anyway i don't know Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I'm off on a tangent. No, that's that's exactly right. And no more pizza parties. Yeah. Right? No more pizza parties. <laughs> no more pizza parties. I yeah, I was actually so I'm enrolled in this course through the Greater Good Science Science Center out of UC Berkeley on happiness at work. Um and they like did a study about they, you know, measured how people felt when literally they were given a pizza party versus given actual formal, uh, like thank thank yous, like handwritten notes or um, some sort of like reward um, recognition. Sorry, that's the word I was looking for. When they were given actual recognition, um, and they felt obviously better about the 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 recognition in like a written note or you know, being called out or an email or whatever versus a pizza party. So no more pizza parties. Yeah. (laughs) Domino's isn't fixing this. Sorry. No. Yeah. It kind of, it's the thing is, is that, um, this is a, like, it's a massive problem, right? What we have on our hand is a crisis. You, I agree. There is no nursing shortage. People don't want to do bedside nursing because of how hard it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I think it's just the disconnect between the administrators and nursing is just, I mean, it, it, this is purely rumor and I have no way of validating this or knowing it's true, but I've heard that our CEO works from his vacation home. Oh. <laughs> 
So yeah, to say that hmm. administrators are out of touch is mm-hmm. I think an understatement. Hmm. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard. Hmm. Um, but I mean, a lot of, I mean, our HR is working from home. They're like, do they even live in the state? I have no idea. Yeah, You know, it's just, there's no presence, I think, of, of people that should be helping us get through this stuff. And so, yeah, it's a problem. It, yeah. Yeah, it is a problem. I don't know. We, we don't have the answers necessarily on how to fix it yeah. currently. Um, but I think, it, you know, just like, you know, being an alcoholic, acknowledging, acknowledge that you have a problem first. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so essentially the things got worse for us in, in the pandemic and, um, we, if our hospital is not going to prioritize our mental health, like we should prioritize our mental health. Um, there are lots of ways that you can do that. Um, you know like you said, so you're seeing a traditional therapist, but also, you know, you could go to you and, and do like a holistic deep dive. And, um, I think that's a great way to, um, take care of yourself. Anybody out there in the Seattle area, yeah. actually, or even Washington state, um, Washington state. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm doing the majority of my work is telehealth. Um, so anybody in Washington state, Um, and then I do have an office in Seattle if, you know, some people like to be seen in person and that's, that's fine. So, um, I will see people in person if that's a priority. I think the other, um, thing about my practice versus therapy, and I don't want to say versus, because I think they both are, they're complementary, and I think they're Mm -hmm. both important, but the time restraint, I think of therapy can be hard for people if you're going weekly or even every two weeks can be hard. Um, and so I'm not seeing patients that frequently, you know, every six weeks in the beginning or, and then every three to six months after that. So, um, it's not as much of a commitment. That's true. But I guess it's sort of like they would come and see you and then you do a little bit of a, you know, a deep dive into their well-being overall and then say, why don't you try these things? You know, two weeks, you're not going to see a difference, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to, it would be like a longer period of time before you would see, you know, some of these things have an effect. Yeah. Um, it's a slow process, but it, I think it's, it can be shocking what a difference in three months can have say. So it's not going to be three days, may not, probably won't be three weeks, but I've seen remarkable transformations in people in three months. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, I think that can be really encouraging. Like this thing suck right now, but we can, I can give you little tools that we would just tweak and work on and, and things can get a lot better in a relatively short amount of time. So speaking of some tools you did talk about sleep, nutrition, mm-hmm. exercise. Um, do you have any quick tips that you feel like are good for improving your mental health? Yeah, I guess it depends on where you're 
fail. I don't want to say failing, but where your, your weaknesses are in each of these. And maybe it's all of them, but I think the key is making small changes that are attainable, that are easy to introduce into your routine and routine becomes the, the thing that makes this long lasting. So if mm. it's just part of your day to, you know, go for a 10 minute walk in the morning mm-hmm. or when you get home from work, taking your dog out for 20 minutes, if that just becomes part of your day, it's not so much a task anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, I have to go do this. It's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to incorporate things like that. Or if you're not eating, let's say you're eating poorly, your diet has just, you know, it's easy to get fast food or whatever. Then um, one of the tricks that I've instituted for myself is I buy kind of prepackaged or pre-cut vegetables. So I don't even have to like get the cutting board out. I just, I toss it with some olive oil and I put it in the oven for 15 minutes and I have roasted veggies almost nightly um, because it's easy you know, yeah. and I can get that nutrition in and pick a protein and and maybe the rest of the day, I don't eat as well as I could or should, but at least at night I'm getting nightly veggies. Yeah. So things like that, that, you know, and then once you're doing these things, once you're going for a daily walk for 10 minutes, you might feel good and you might actually, it might turn into a half hour just naturally. Mm-hmm. So, um, so those are just little things that, you know, and meditation, um, I think people, I think people know that it's helpful, but don't really know how to do it or, mm-hmm. or think I just can't. And I was one of those people at the beginning too. Like I can't, my, my, my brain doesn't shut off. Well, that's, it's a practice, Yeah. you know? And so I, I'll walk people with through that, how to do a one minute meditation. And sometimes that's just really hard for people. Um, but that reset, it, I don't, I mean, people have been doing it for thousands of years because it works. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so teaching people how to meditate and, and maybe you do that once during your week, your work day, or when you get home from work or something like that. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, I'm just going to plug this whole conversation. Made me think about the book by James Clear, Atomic Habits. It's a really great book for trying to incorporate, um, whatever it is you want to new habits into your life. Um, he's got some really great advice about how to do like habit stacking. You know, if you need to floss your teeth and you don't do it, like put your floss out, you know, or do it like right after you brush your teeth or whatever. Um, or have your running shoes out so that you can just see them in the morning and, um, it'll help you remember to do it. But, um, that is a great book, but it's all about creating habits. Mm Mm-hmm. They're not even thinking about these things. Right. You know? Yeah. Like you're just, you're just going through your day, going through the motions and you're doing these things because that's just part of your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then you can change it if you, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to say hack, hack your habits again. I'm like, ha- why am I yeah. ha- I'm like all about hack today? <laughs> <laughs> Such a weirdo. Um, Okay. I like to talk about, I, well, so I'm just going to put a timestamp on this. So this is like December 5th. Uh, winter officially is right around the corner. It's living in the Pacific Northwest is so hard. Um, every, every winter I'm here, I'm like, why do I, why haven't I left? 
Um, mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about seasonal affective disorder. What are some things that we can do to help with that um, for those of us who live in this area and are in the darkness? Yeah. Um, so that's a that's an interesting um, phenomenon that is actually very regional, like you said. So you said Pacific Northwest, and it actually does worldwide affect um, people based on where you live in relation to the equator. Okay. So people in Florida, I think the incidence of SAD, so SAD is seasonal affective disorder, which I guess I'll, I'll define it real quick. Um, it's actually a subtype of clinical depression. And so it, it really is when people say like, I feel so depressed in the winter, it's because it really is. If you hit, if you, um, are diagnosed with SAD, it you're diagnosed with a depression associated with the change in season Mm. um and so uh and so it affects people based on where they live in relation to the equator because of the decreased time of light Mm -hmm. in in the winter time so i think the incidence or prevalence in florida is about one percent of the population and when you get up to where we live, it's more like 10% okay. of the population. And that's worldwide. So that's not just like some phenomenon in the United States. It's It really is. Um, it's based on on where we live and the, um, the shortened days that we have in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. So, um, so then to treat it, you know, if if we're saying that the, the cause is the decreased light, um, one of the best things that people can do for it is to buy a light source. Um, the key is finding a light source that is of um, a certain intensity. So it's measured in um, units of lux, L-U-X. Mm-hmm. And so the lights that have been clinic- clinically proven or, um, via studies uh, to decrease SAD is have to have at least 10,000 lux. Hmm. So that's really key when you're looking because, you know, there's all sorts of products on the market. So people need to make sure that they're buying a product that actually will do something for them. Um, So 10,000 lux. um, And then placement is really important too. So um, ideally, so each each product is going to have its instructions. So some of them have to be eight to 12 inches from your face. So that's pretty close. Mm Um, and you really have to sit there for about 15 minutes um, up to an hour, depending on kind of what your dose is. Um, mm-hmm. And so it is a little bit time consuming um, and it has to become part of your day. You need to do it in the morning. Um, but it can be really, really helpful for people. Hmm. Um, and and I think one thing that is kind of misunderstood and I, I misunderstood about it was I thought, okay, so I'll get this light and I'll just put it in my house and it'll just like, <laughs> you know, make me happy. And it's like, no, it actually does have to be more of a deliberate, like sitting in front of it. Um, it can't just be like off to the side while you're working. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my previous jobs, um, I worked in a recovery room and we didn't have windows. And so we were saying we need this light. So they put these big lights up, but they were way above our heads. Oh, So it wasn't even, it was like, they're there. 
Um, so it needs to be eye level. It needs to be a certain distance from your face. There is a time dose um, and it needs to be 10,000 lux. And then, so beyond that, if that's not something you're interested in, it's treating clinical depression. So all the tools that I would use for depression can apply uh, for SAD. So it can be medication. Maybe you take medication for six to nine months out of the year um, and incorporate all of the other things that we talk about, um, maximizing your physical health. That's another thing too that, that I'll look at with people. I guess I should have mentioned this earlier, but um, at the intake, based on your medical history or your family history, I might order some lab work to look and see, are you anemic because you're not eating well? Are you, you know, what's your vitamin? Do you have vitamin, vitamin? D, D deficiency or D deficiency definitely, um, has been related to depression. Um, treating it with oral vitamin D has not been the, the jury is out on that, but um, Wait, what's the best way to treat vitamin D deficiency? Deficiency? Aren't we all deficient here in this area? We are likely all deficient here, um, especially in the winter time. Um, it's so the studies are really kind of inconclusive. So some studies do show that if you take vitamin D supplements, it can help with depression, and then others don't. So um, it's it's unclear. I still think. Personally, I think it's, I think it's wise to take a vitamin D supplement if you live here in the Pacific Northwest, because, um, for other reasons, I mean, your bones for one, um, you know, we, we should all be maintaining our vitamin D levels for that alone. Um, even if it doesn't necessarily cure our clinical depression, I think it's, it's a wise thing to do. Um, but yeah, so I'll look at other medic, you know, maybe you have other medical problems that are either causing your mental health problems or contributing to it. Um, so making sure that your physical health, that we're maximizing that too. And I always try and encourage people to have a primary care provider because it's so crucial that having somebody that is monitoring these things and um, and that you can go to for for your physical health. That's, I'm speaking to myself because I don't have one currently. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. We're going to, we're going to have a to do. You're going to, you're going to establish a PCP. I had a great one. And then she went to private practice and I know, I know. Hey, I need to call my dentist and also get in with my allergist. So I'm going to do that. As my allergist doctor, I'm going to do that after I get off this. Um, yeah, what are whoever's listening out there? Do that thing that's hanging over you that you need. You know, you need to do. Do it after listening to this episode. Um, what else? Do you have any? Oh, let's see. Hang on. Um, I can edit this part out. Um. Also, I just realized. My dog just stopped snoring, and I just realized how loud it was before. Could you hear him no. snoring this whole time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I might leave that in because that's super cute. Um, <laughs> do you have any other thoughts about, uh, like, 
mental health, nursing, anything that we haven't Um, touched on? I don't know. I think I just want to say thank you to not only nurses and healthcare providers for everything that you've, that you've gone through and that you just continue to show up for every single day. Um, but all service people I think have just really struggled the Mm -hmm. last couple of years. I mean, think about teachers, what they've gone through, police officers, Mm -hmm. firefighters, like all of these people, what have we all gone through the last couple of years? Um, I'm just super thankful that we have people that still show up and do these jobs yeah. because we need them. And none of these jobs are easy and um, it's just been really stressful. So, so thank you to everyone that, that keeps doing it. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it really does take a village, um, a community um, and we have to take care of each other, honestly. Um yeah. And it would be my honor to, to treat, you know, people in the, and you know, everyone, but in particular, I have a, a spot in my heart for service people because what are you doing all day long? You're caring for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are you doing for yourself? Yeah. You know? Um, and sometimes we need that reminder. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, Sometimes we need somebody to tell us to go make your fucking dentist appointment. <laughs> you know? Like Right. It sounds so silly, but it's like that's what I do. That's what I like I, I hold people accountable. Like take care of yourself. This is what you're gonna do for yourself. Yeah. And I'm gonna ask you about it the next time I see you. You know? Really? <laughs> Damn it. Did I you, know. Did you get a PCP? <laughs> did you see, did you get your see, lab now, checked? Did exactly. You, so now I'm like, crap, I gotta do that. She's gonna right. ask me about it. Right. Right. <laughs> I'll I'll message you in six weeks. And Thank say, you. <laughs> actually, people should get all the try to jam in their, you know, whatever you need to do medically, because we have, you know, your d- new deductible is gonna start in 2023. Yeah. Um Oh, speaking of, um, yeah, insurance. Um, yes, insurance. So I am currently private pay, um, but am in the process of being credentialed with several insurance companies. So um, very shortly, hopefully in the next couple of months, I will be accepting insurance. Cool. Yay. Yay. Yeah. That's really great. That sounds um, like something I never want to do in terms yeah. of well, insurance credentialing. Yay for, yeah. I'm doing it for my clients. I'm not doing it for myself. (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's great. But yeah, I mean, you have to you have to do it for your business. That makes sense. But just like that sounds daunting. Um, What if um, somebody wanted to find you? Where can Mm -hmm. we find you? Easiest way is my website, refreshseattle.com. Okay. Um, There's a contact. Just put in there. Hey, I want to talk to you about this. Um, put your phone number in there and I will call you and we will get you set up. That's great. Um, yeah. Are you on the Instagram? Are you on the, 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 the social? I, I have say. an Instagram. I have a, I have a Facebook. <laughs> I'm not very good at, at doing these things. Um, I don't have a Twitter. I don't. That's okay. Yeah. Um, that's one of my to do's. 
I just, it's not something that I'm very active with right now. So my website is the best. Yeah. Sounds great. (laughs) We can find you there. I'll definitely link up your, uh, website in my show notes. Um, and I'll tag you on social, you know, in this Instagram post. Um, I just want to say thank you for everything that you're doing for our community. Um, and for, you know, and championing, championing, um, the importance of taking care of your mental health and well-being. Um, I just, yeah, I think it's so important. I think it's really important to destigmatize um, getting mental health resources, getting help, seeing a therapist, taking medication. Um, I'm, I'm, I like to be vocal about this. I'm not actually on any antidepressants or anything, but I do take something for sleep that I started in the middle of pandemic when I had insomnia related to stress and anxiety um, because I wasn't sleeping. And, um, I was really struggling mentally. Have you heard that? Like, I think it's on TikTok. It's like struggling mentally or something. Anyway, there's, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't heard that. Someone out there is listening has, um, anyway, um, but you know, I think it's really important to, to reach out and get help when you're struggling, uh, take care of your mental health for sure. And again, like I was saying, just the importance of destigmatizing, taking medications, if you need them. Um, and you would be a great person to go to, to talk to about that. So, um, yeah. Do you have any last closing thoughts for the show today? I think so. I'm just so grateful that you had me on and, um, and hopefully somebody has learned something and, and I, I hope to meet some of your, your listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again for so, for everything that you're doing. Um, Tammy, it's just a delight. And I hope I can meet you in person sometime. Um, shout out to your friend that we are mutual friend we have in common, mm. Lindsay Kirsch. Uh, what's up, Lindsay? Thank you for the connect. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll just close this out and say stay safe and stay sane. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank Thanks, you Nicole. so much. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.